welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm excited to be talking with Scott Nelson from Legacy Financial. Scott is a financial advisor with Legacy, and welcome to Emotion Well, Scott. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so February is the month all about relationships, right? And I think oftentimes people think of romantic relationships, uh, you know, as it relates to Valentine's Day. And for this particular podcast episode, I wanted to talk about our relationships with money. So everyone has a relationship with money, no matter how much money you have. Uh, and I thought you'd be the perfect person to kind of sit down across the table uh, from me and and talk about what it means to have a healthy relationship with money, um, kind of what you're seeing in regard to financial well-being in workplaces, and just, yeah, let's talk about money. Yeah, so perfect. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. So I'm a financial advisor with Legacy Financial Group here in Des Moines. Uh, we do a lot of education. Education is really the backbone of our practice. So we do a lot of workshops, employer-based workshops uh, around financial education and also one-on-one -on -one consultations with individuals as well. We have a, um, a team of financial advisors that work with personal individual finances every day as well. So, Excellent. Um, yep. And I've been in, I guess I'm from the Midwest originally, Chicago, um, but then also Southeast Iowa, but really from... Uh, Des Moines for the last 25 years. Yeah. So I've been in Des Moines more than I have not. So I'm really yeah. now kind of on the, uh, I guess, the threshold of saying I'm from Des Moines, right? There we go. More than there not. We go. So, yep. Well, I, as I was preparing for our episode today, I was thinking about my own relationship with money and I'm going to share a story. I always think stories are an interesting way to kick conversations off. Um, okay. So when I was about 10 years old, I had a cat and I was responsible for, you know, the litter box feeding the cat, making sure it had fresh water. And every weekend, my mom would set a dollar on the kitchen table. It was my allowance for taking care of my cat, Casey. And I still remember every time I got that dollar, I would take it to my bedroom and I would put it in. And it wasn't a piggy bank, but it was this like little tin canister. And I would put all my dollars in there and I would, I would count them. Like, oh, how much do I have now? And I remember wanting to get, and so this is going to date me. I was 10 years old in 1992. I wanted to get Nickelodeon GAC which oh. is kind of like slime uh -huh. um, for, you know, people who have kids nowadays. It's basically slime. And I remember my mom said, well, you have allowance. So if you want to get that Nickelodeon gack, you can use your allowance money. Perfect. And so she drove me out to Pomida and I spent like, I think $11 on Nickelodeon gack. And I feel like I instantly had buyer's remorse because <laughs> I felt like, I've worked so hard. I just spent most of my money on Nickelodeon GAC. And it was like something I had wanted. And then I think maybe once I got it, I was kind of like, well, like I don't, my money, like I don't have any money anymore. You know, I spent most of my allowance. Yeah. And so well, that'd be, you spent 11 weeks working for a Nickelodeon GAC. Exactly. And so I just think, has that shaped me? You know, I'm a saver. I'm not someone who likes, to, I, I think a lot about my purchases before I, I pull the trigger. And so I think, that one moment in my life could have been a turning point. So th what, what is it for you? Like, how did you get interested in, um, you know, working with money, um, educating people about saving and investing? And do you have any kind of story from your own childhood or past that kind of shapes how you are with money today? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, 
Yeah, when when I was a little kid, you know, you, you go to school and they say, well, what do you want to be when you, when you grow up? It wasn't a financial advisor. I was, I think I wanted to drive race cars or be a farmer, I think, at two, right? You know, so, right in second grade. So, but no, it wasn't something that just was um, something I always wanted to do. But through growing up, I think a lot of our, uh, kind of like your story, a lot of our relationships with money is shaped from uh, our childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And we learn a lot about money, about um by how it's modeled for us, right? And for me, we grew up in a in the Midwest, and, and I'd say a middle-class family, and had a lot of the financial stresses that most middle-class families do. And so we didn't have a lot of margin in life, uh, in our financial life, in, in, uh, at home, and it was kind of stressful. And I didn't, and so for me, it was more of, uh, as I kind of grew older, and it was more about uh, shifting the pendulum away from what I learned that I wasn't going to create a life where we had financial uh, financial stress in mm-hmm. our life. So it was me more about going away from what I knew I didn't want. And then through that, um, yeah, going to a business school and learning about finance and money and, and compound interest. Once you learn about compound interest and the power of compound interest and how you can get money to work for you, that was, I was really attracted to that and really, um, inquisitive about math and money. I mean, cause you know, math is, uh, uh, it's it's the truth. I mean, numbers don't lie, right? Right. And so um, for me, it was more about uh, building that education uh, and educating myself first about how I wanted to build, uh, I guess, my future. Uh, and there's a lot of books and stuff like that that I read uh, that kind of shaped that. And so, yeah, for me, it was about, more about avoiding a life I didn't want. And so okay. through... Um, again, just growing up, living below, uh, you know, my means financially and always saving. I was mm-hmm. that same kind of kid that would squirrel money away mm-hmm. and, and start saving. Um, and uh, so, yeah, then as I you know, uh, got into career, my first career was in marketing and sales in, in the medical space. Okay. And so I did pretty well there and, again, practiced all of the fundamentals of personal finance you know through educating myself i was putting these in action and was able to um you know uh, build you know some finances enough to uh, that it caught my attention that i should really be paying attention to this more Mm -hmm. uh, and making sure the money's working for me Mm -hmm. and so that just kind of shaped my life and then it became finances then became something that i just had a, a sincere interest in, and it was more of a hobby for me mm-hmm. to learn everything about finances and planning. And, and I know that sounds weird to have a, a, a you know hobby of finances, but that no, was. But I'm glad that right? people like you exist yeah, because but, you know you help people like me. Sure, that's not my hobby. So. Yeah, and so it was a, yeah, it's a passion. Then so once through my own, um, I just I guess uh, you know life unfolding and through my own journey of accumulating wealth, I realized that most people have challenges around this and need help, and I'm more of a, a servant and leader and, you know, know that I have, I guess, a, a gift of, you know, having a passion around this. And, and I think people that, you know, uh, are passionate about something should share it. And so yeah. I'm happy to serve and, and share and lead, you know, other people in their financial journeys as well. For so. sure. You know, I think about financial well-being, you know, in the same way I think about other dimensions of well-being. I mean, you know, if you're interested in eating healthier or if you have maybe a medical diagnosis that needs special attention to your diet, you know, you would most likely connect with a registered dietitian. Or if you're looking to start an exercise program and you're not an expert in, you know, the best way to, you know, burn body fat, you're probably going to connect with a personal trainer. Uh, Most people would benefit from connecting with a financial advisor or a financial expert just because it's 
not everyone's wheelhouse. It's not right. everyone's uh, hobby. It's but but money affects us all, and oh, you absolutely. know, like you said, the numbers don't lie, and so uh, it's you know, money in, money out, right? Yep. And there's a lot more to it than that. But I think it's it's certainly great that uh, services such as the Services Legacy Financial Group uh, provides exist, and we'll talk about those later. But sure. um, when you're speaking with people, would you say that? I know, and just personally, but also just from being in the wellness uh, profession, that you know, financial stress is often kind of the number one source of stress for people. Yeah. And so, what recommendations would you have for someone to take now before things start to feel stressful and a little bit out of control? So, if someone's listening and they're sitting in a good spot, you know, they don't have too much debt, they want to retire someday, but it's pretty far down the road, so they haven't really thought about it. What would you say to them, you know, just you know, here are some measures you can take or here are some things you can do to hopefully get you on track to have as little financial stress as possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, finances is something that it's one of the number one stressors, the one of the num number one um, uh, stressors and causes for divorce, too, in, in, in relationships. And money affects all of us. And um, yeah, the more we can engage in, in, I guess, work on our relationship with our money, um, absolutely is beneficial. It's something that, um, you know, we really need to pay more attention to and lean into. It's something that most people with finances, it's not something we all went to school for. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it's really something we need to work on and lean into. And again, just spend more time um, kind of learning. It's one of the best investments we can make is investing in our knowledge around our finances mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, really kind of leaning into that. And um, yeah, just, just taking some more time to uh, kind of be involved with our finances. Yeah. You know. So I would say it's never too early. Yep. Is it ever too late? No, it's never too late. Uh, the earlier, the better, because the longer our time horizon, the less, uh, the smaller changes uh, we need to make, the, the further we have to let those changes compound. If we're within a year or two of retirement, there's absolutely things we can do to change mm -hmm. and improve the trajectory we're on, but they're a lot more drastic. Uh, right. Close grad retirement. Right. So yeah, the the sooner you can get, can engage with it and really check your mindset around uh, your relationship with money, and the better you can kind of get engaged with our finances, uh, the earlier the better. So, so what would you say to someone who is many many years from retirement? Uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording this concept of financial freedom, and mm -hmm. so you know if you sit down with someone who's you know, mid twenties, mid thirties, retirement for them is so far off that they might not even understand the importance of what they are doing now. Right. So how do you motivate someone who's many years away from retirement to make some, you know, wise choices yeah. at a young I age? Yeah. I think a lot of us want to, there's so much right now that we can't control, right? Mm -hmm. But finances is absolutely something in our lives that we can control. Okay, is our own personal finances it's something we can control, and so financial freedom is something. Yeah, you're right. It's when retirement is so far away, so it's hard to talk about retirement planning to somebody that's got you know 20, 30 years before retirement, mm -hmm. and retirement is going to look a lot different for us uh, 20, 30 years than it does for somebody retiring today. So really, it's more about yeah, you know, getting ourselves in a position of having financial freedom mm -hmm. to be able to make a uh, career change if we want to, because we spend a lot of time working right mm -hmm. and so um, not only the benefits for our own uh, selves but also employers I mean 
to really be passionate about what you do is serving your employer better, is serving uh, us individually better, if we can be passionate about what we're doing. So getting ourselves in a position where we can have financial freedom to make a job change into something we want to do versus um, being stuck in a job that we have to do because Mm -hmm. we don't have the the margin that we've built into our our financial lives. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned earlier that you know, money and and financial stress is often, um, you know, one factor that goes into divorce. Do you work with a lot of couples or, you know, do you ever encounter, you know, couples that are on very different pages when it comes to saving and spending and investing? Yeah, yeah, we do. And I think about my own relationship with with my wife too, because we got married in our early 20s. And so I had 20 years of, um, you know, financial experience, um, personally, and she had 20 years, and they were different. We had we had two different relationships with money, and mm-hmm. we're bringing that into, into relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes we have somebody on part of the relationships that's the spender, and somebody that's a saver, uh-huh. and so we conflict a little bit there. But through relationships, just like anything related re- with relationships, it's about communication mm-hmm. and uh, setting goals and working together. But yeah, finances is absolutely a, a big challenge. Uh, uh, you know, when it comes to relationships and when it comes to marriage too. So Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what someone could, what are some actionable items that someone could, you know, start chipping away at? Um, let's maybe start with things that they could do on their own without going through a financial advisor or a financial advising group. What would be some easy to do things that, you know, I can start doing tomorrow right. or this month. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things that people can do is, well, for one, just utilizing a lot of employers offer financial wellness resources mm-hmm. uh, through. Well, for one, uh, most employers have a four hundred and one k, and hopefully the four hundred and one k advisor is available for communications. Uh, so that's one easy way to engage. Uh, another thing is again through our financial wellness through our companies, and then also just kind of self education. There's a national endowment uh, for financial education or NEFA, N-E-F-E dot org, mm-hmm. is a great free resource that's out there too that just has a lot of on-demand education around finances. And then just picking up books or listening to podcasts, it's something that I feel that it's great that as we're building, most of us are contributing to an employer 401k plan. So no matter where we're starting, we're as we're building our investments, we should also be building our financial knowledge. It isn't something financial planning or financial education isn't something you do just once and you're done. It's mm-hmm. just something to kind of like our health uh, with exercise Ongoing or eating. Check, check it ends. is. Yeah. yeah, you just got to constantly be be working through that. Um, I think the biggest motivator though is you've got to have just like anything. There's got to be a catalyst to change. There's got to be you got to have a big enough why. You know, what's your reason why? Why are you going to engage in mm-hmm. eating healthier or exercising? Mm-hmm. Or why are you going to engage in your finances? Is it because we want to create a life that we, uh, again, like myself, where I didn't want a certain financial, I didn't want to grow up and ha- or I didn't want to create a, a, a life for, for my family that had financial stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I educated myself away from that. Um, finding that why uh, is one of the biggest motivators and biggest fuels uh, that's going to energize, you know, really that gives us the, the fuel to, to spend time, you know, doing yeah. that. But that's a big part. And then just, yeah, listening and reading books. I know for me personally, it was reading um, The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, I've, um, I don't, I've never read it, but I know exactly what the book looks yeah. like. I think my brother had it. Yeah. And it was a study of 500 um, first generation millionaires and what were just some of the things that they did. 
And one of the biggest things was that they lived below their means and they valued um, accumulating wealth more than displaying their wealth, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's tricky too, because you think about, you know, like, uh, and I did a little research this morning just to get the updated number, but the financial industry credit card companies, they spend $18 million a year, okay, marketing to us, all right? And what's spent on financial education is about $670 million, about 4% of what is spent marketing to us about spending is spent educating us. So the it's yeah. really the cards are stacked against us. We yeah. really got to be able to educate ourselves. So yeah, uh, I think this was actually a, a tidbit of information I received from either you or Brian Hood. I was we were at uh, mutual clients and you were doing a presentation and I think one of you said that uh, you know a lot of our expenses are fixed. You know rent and insurance and you know maybe your cell phone bill but food costs are the most you know flexible or that's food costs and spending on things like eating out versus eating in is kind of where someone can make the biggest difference in you know the income that's not fixed is that correct yeah there's that's a big part of it um and it is and eating healthy as you know costs a little bit more it's cheaper to eat dollar menu, right? Right. But that's not healthy for us. So yeah, food is a big, big expense. Um, and that's one that we can all improve on by, you know, bringing uh, lunch to work or making coffee at home. And those little things compound over a long duration. Like a $5 a Starbucks a oh, day makes a, is, yeah. makes a big difference. Makes a huge impact. And actually on our on our website, there's a re, on our resources page, there's actually a calculator on there that does that. You can plug in, um, you know, if you spend, uh, you know, $5 a day on coffee versus $1 making at home. And it'll calculate what that looks like over a long over duration time, yeah. and, and really hits you in the face about, oh my gosh, this is a, a big deal. So. Yeah, I will definitely link to that. I'll link to the website in the show notes, but I might like link specifically to that page. But I, I do find, you know, some, I mean, and you pick up on people's spending habits, um, you know, pretty easily, like, and they, you know, with friends, sure. family, people that you aren't necessarily in a relationship with where their spending habits directly affect you. But, you know, there is a big difference. I mean, sometimes people will say, well, it's only $5. Well, I think, well, but it's $5, yeah. you know, $5 a day, you know, 25 bucks a week if it's, you know, just the work week. And yeah, it's just interesting when you hear people kind of talk about money. It's like, well, it's only $5. Well, but it is $5. Or um, I know occasionally I'll be notified that I am eligible for some kind of class action lawsuit, you know, like, you know, um, I had one recently for like my iPhone. Like if you bought an iPhone between, you know, this year and this year, you know, you're eligible for like a $25, you know, reimbursement. I was like, why not apply for that? Sure. Like it's, I looked it up. It was legitimate. I looked it up. But one of my friends was like, why would you go through the hassle for $25? I'm like, the hassle was like 30 seconds of my time. Right. I'm getting that $25, That's right. you know? That's now right. I'm not like, <laughs> don't think that I'm like some extreme couponer because I've never gotten into that. Um, that's not something I, people that do it, that's great. It's not something I would be into. But I'm like, 25 bucks for something that I'm owed? I'm going to do that, you know? Um, nope. So, yeah, I think you can kind of easily pick up on on people's, you know, relationships with, with money, whether they're people that are close to you or not. Yeah. There's a bigger, the, another part of that, too, is, you know, when we look at, I mean, food is definitely one piece. Subscriptions is another thing that that's a growing um, um you oh, know, like, expense. So like, like the Netflix, yeah. the Disney plus, the Hulu. Yeah. And HBO it's just, Max. yeah. And it's just, well, you sign up your first month's free. And then after that it's nine ninety nine. So, uh-huh. but naturally a lot of people sign up for the first month and then 
they just they forget leave, about it because right? it's on auto. Yeah, or the yeah. apps that we uh, is, is just three dollars here for an app, four dollars here for an app. Subscriptions are a huge growing piece in somebody's budgets. The average is about two to two hundred fifty dollars. What I encourage people to do is to look at that, mm-hmm. uh, or even uh, challenge people to just cancel all of them. Just and cancel see what all, you miss. Yeah, cancel yeah. all your sub- subscriptions. And then, yeah, in the next month, if you really miss it and it really adds value to your life, then add it back in. Yeah. So that's a big one. The other ones are, you know, some of the false narratives that we um, that we hear in, in our world and society about, you know, oh, if you have a bigger house, you'll be happy. A, a newer car, you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of money that people spend on, it, it's a false narrative. You don't always have to have a car payment, but a lot of people tell us that. Right. They, they tell themselves that. And those make a huge, huge uh, impact. I mean, the housing and transportation can easily make up 40 or 50% of somebody's budget. Yeah. Um, so those are a big, big yeah. one uh, in addition to food. But then then it's all those little things that add up too. I had a recently, and again, I'm fairly frugal, but I'm very value-minded. But I had a, our sink at home started leaking and I... And I thought, well, I bought this because it had a like a lifetime warranty or something. But I was about to go to the store and buy a new one. I'm like, well, I'll call the 800 number and just see, right? Uh-huh. I'll be, and I was on hold for, you know, 20 minutes. I was doing other work, you know. And then it, it was a couple back and forth with, um, you know, the uh, uh, company, the 800 number back and forth. I maybe had a, you know, an hour of time invested in conversations. But they ended up giving me a free faucet. Back. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. you know, it so again, that's a, a good investment. <laughs> so again, just spend some time being cautious or conscious of our, our money as well. Yeah, so. most definitely. Most definitely. Um, what would you, what would you say to people who are closer to retirement, you know, maybe within 10 years or so of retirement, what are some actionable items that they should be looking to do? Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're within 10 years of retirement, um, but also really this applies to anybody um, that has a job <laughs> is find out what path you're on, right? Mm-hmm. Do some projections to see what path you're on and if you like it, right? But especially when we're on the cusp of retirement within 10 years, see what path we're on and see what type of changes we can make. There's a lot of things that are very underutilized uh, from a financial standpoint. And again, it comes around education. HSAs that are offered by employers are absolutely underutilized. And that's something that, as an employer, they offer some information around, but it takes that next level of educating yourself or asking for help uh, to understand those. But HSAs and Roth IRAs are absolutely underutilized by people um, that are getting ready for retirement and really anybody with a job. So So you've told me, so the HSA has a triple tax benefit? Yeah. And what... Yeah. What is the trifecta there? Right, exactly. It's one of the only things that has a triple tax benefit because it um, it's a deduction. Any contribution into an HSA is a tax deduction, okay? It deducts from your taxable income when you contribute. And it typically goes into a cash account, but once your balance usually is above a certain $1,000 or $2,000, then within that account, you should be able to invest that money. And so that investment, uh, anything that we invest within our HSA account, grows tax-free. Okay. okay. And then as long as you take it out in the future for a qualified health care expense, mm-hmm. then it comes out. Uh, it's not a, uh, a taxable event when it comes out. So okay. it's the only thing with a triple tax benefit. And I like to kind of think about it, if you can, from a, again, if you can build um, a financial life where you 
um, can think about the HSA as more of a 401k for your retirement mm-hmm. and just not really use it or, or also maybe have it as a backup for emergencies, then if you can really let that grow and just cash flow your health care expenses today, mm-hmm. then you can really let that, comp- again, looking at the, the benefits of compounding interest in that, health, in that HSA. But that's absolutely an underutilized one that, 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 that most people need to be looking a little yeah. bit closer at. So, uh, What about the Roth IRA. So I, isn't there's a Roth IRA and then there's just a traditional IRA? Correct. And what is the difference between yeah. the two? Yep. So your traditional IRA um, is uh, pre-tax. So you contribute on a pre-tax. So it's not tax. It's, it's a, again, a deduction um, as far as contributing. It's going to grow tax-free. But in the future, when you do take a distribution, it's taxable in the future. Okay. That's okay. traditional. Or in our 401ks, most times... Um, you know, the, the default a lot of times is it's, it's uh, we're contributing to the pre-tax side or the traditional side. Also, our employer match goes to the traditional side. Okay. Um, so that, again, is, uh, um, is something that we'll have to claim as income when we take distributions. Now, the Roth side of the world or the after-tax side of the world, sometimes have um, in 401ks, you'll have a Roth option in your 401k, or you can contribute to a Roth on your own as well. And that's with after-tax money. So you're paying taxes today. But then the, the uh, account, when invested, grows tax-free, never to be taxed again. Okay. So that's something, especially now with uh, all the stimulus and, and amount of government spending, you know, taxes right now are in the lowest they've, brackets they've been in a long time. Taxes are kind of on sale. Okay. okay. So in the future, and I'd love to be wrong on this one, but in the, in the future, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I, I think our taxes are going to be a lot higher. So okay. it's good to have two different buckets to be able to balance, to be able to control it, to have more control mm-hmm. of your tax brackets in the future. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? So, you know, it used to be that someone, you know, stayed with an employer for 35, 40 years. Yeah. You know, they stayed with the employer until retirement. And now that's not as common. So people might have, you know, a retirement from their first employer, their second employer, their third employer. Do you recommend people take a look at all those different retirement investments and kind of move them into one or is it just kind of dependent on how much is in those investments? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, you're right. And um, yeah, most people don't retire, um, you know, from the same company after 40 years. Some people still are, but uh, most people aren't. And yeah, so most people have a, uh, and even people uh, have several, we've seen a lot of clients that have several old 401ks. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, especially when you make a transition to a new job, you're focused on that new job. You're not focused on managing your old 401k. Right. But um, if you think about investments too, even five years ago, a lot of the investments that we were invested in five years ago, a lot of the stocks didn't exist five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Tesla and Zoom, those mm-hmm. five years ago or 10 years ago, those weren't around, right? So right. really managing and, and keeping up with managing our um, our old uh, 401ks or old IRAs, it's something that you can a- absolutely makes a big impact when we look at, again, the power of compounding and the power of making our, I, what I feel is help, making our money work for us. Mm-hmm. Our money, I feel, has a job to do. And some of our money for like our emergency fund, its job is to be boring and just sit in cash mm-hmm. at the bank and it doesn't pay much. But for our retirement, that money should be working. Yeah. And so we've really got to pay attention to manage that. And with an old 401k, you know, the typical options are leave it there and do nothing. Um, and one, you could take a distribution, but it's taxable and there's penalties if it's 
359.5, so that's the least option, but it is an option, mm-hmm. uh, the, the least uh, uh, option. Or you can roll it over to an outside IRA to be managed by yourself or an advisor, or you can roll it into your new 401k plan. Mm-hmm. Most employers allow outside rollover, so you could do okay. that as well. Just a, w- a better way to manage it. Yeah. But again, engaging in, and it's okay to, I think, start off when we're investing with one of the lifetime funds, right? You just kind of choose your re- future retirement date mm-hmm. and it kind of self-manages that. That's okay to start, again, as we're building our investments. But as we're our, our investments are building, we should be building our, our knowledge around our investments because there's a lot better strategy to personalize your individual investment strategy versus throwing in a group of people that are going to retire um, the same year you do. You have different financial right, goals, right? right? So they should right. be plan differently. Yep. So uh, what what would be something you recommend? So we've talked about, you know, things individuals can do. What would you recommend if there is, uh, you know, a person listening and they do have some financial stress within their own relationship with their partner or spouse? What would be something that they could do, you know, easily um, without, again, it's like, well, we can do this, you know, now, like this week, this month, um, before they would even sit down with a financial advisor? Yeah, it would be, I would say to you know, get an assessment of where you're at. Look at our mindset, you know, look at your mindsets around money. We'll look at where we, where you've been spending money and see if it's important. I mean, tracking spending is huge. If you can track and see just like, you know, calories, right? If you're tracking uh-huh. calories, you're tracking calories you know, and your, calories. Yeah, out. exactly. <laughs> so same thing with finances. Look at where the money's been going and where are we spending it? Are we giving our income uh, to the finance companies, are we giving it to the credit card companies or are we giving it to ourselves and our future mm-hmm, self, right? Mm-hmm. So look at where the money's been going, get an assessment of everything and just start the, again, if it's a stressful relationship, look at, again, our past histories, you know, with money. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> did did you grow up maybe and didn't have a lot of, of uh, uh, margin in life or did you grow up and had a lot of access and you just bought anything you looked at or anytime mm-hmm. you went to the store, you just bought stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two different uh, uh, histories and that people bring into a relationship mm-hmm. that just having the, that communication, just like anything, communication is the biggest thing. For it's just sure. start that yeah. conversation. But then a lot of times starting that conversation, but then just like anything, it's okay to ask for help, right? right. It's okay to ask for somebody to come into that relationship and help guide you on it that has um, the knowledge in, in where, uh, you know, uh, some some strategies to, to bring you into a more healthier space. Not that we're... Uh, from a financial advisor perspective, not that we're marriage counselors, but but finances, you know, uh, definitely are a part of marriage. Yeah. So we need to help talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and so. especially if, you know, finances are a large source of stress, yeah. you know, you may need a marriage counselor, but you also may need a financial That's advisor right. and planner. Uh, so speaking of ways that uh, people can get help, can you uh, share a little bit about Legacy Financial Group services and how people could connect with you? Yeah, sure. Love to. So again, we do a lot of education in the workplace. So um, you can connect to us on our website. We've got lots of resources out there. We're actually offering a workshop, a a free uh, workshop, Money Matters, on March 4th coming up. And that's open to all employers to kind of test drive us to see what we kind of do from a financial education and financial wellness perspective. And so then you can, if you're an employer, you can say, hey, is this something that might be benefit the, the rest of my organization? So one, from an employer perspective, that's a great way to do it. But it's also set up for individuals. Okay. So if you're just an individual, feel free to sign up for that as well. And again, and is that start, a one-time workshop? Is uh, it a, yes, that's okay. a one-time workshop that, again, just kind of helps with, um, you know, really understanding you know, our finances and bringing clarity and confidence. Because again, money 
is uh, often the number one stressor in our in our lives and getting it right takes planning. So we've got to bring care, clarity and confidence to that. And really our goal with our webinars too is to not only help motivate people to take financial action, but also to equip them with practical tools and resources to get started. Because one thing is to have the information, but then you've got to implement it, right? And yeah. So we really try to help with that. So that's a, a great resource to get started there. Um, but then from an individual perspective too, on our uh, website, and you can put a link in the show notes as well, but on our resources page, we also have a no-cost um, retirement checkup, and that's a you know kind of a, a, a quick tool and quick conversation that we can help guide somebody on, just to kind of help show them the path that they're on and give them a couple of tips to say, hey, these are a couple, two or three tips that would absolutely have um, and, and some strategy that that they can implement to uh, start improving their financial mm-hmm. futures. And there's mm-hmm. no cost on that. Excellent. Well. So, That's great. And then, of course, on our website, too, you can you know find me on our website and just click on my calendar, too. And just feel free to click my calendar and schedule time to chat. I'm always yeah. happy just to have a conversation with somebody and, again, just be a resource. Yeah, for sure. And I think with, you know, financial advisors, it's probably similar to, you know, when you're connecting with a counselor, you need to find someone who's a good fit for you and who understands, you know, your goals and who you can communicate, you know, openly with. And so I think you know, after doing some of those self-assessments or webinars, I think a, a great next step for people yeah. is, is to kind of explore who can be a resource in my life, who can kind of not uh, eliminate the stress of my financial questions and concerns, but who can help me understand it better so that I have less stress. Yep, exactly. And in the financial industry too, I'd, I would absolutely look for somebody who's a fiduciary, a fiduciary that, that is that has to work in the client's best interest first. Yes, okay? so I've always, okay, so can you explain fiduciary? Financial advisor. What, yeah, what's the so not here? every financial advisor is a fiduciary. You okay. know, so depending on, um, you know, sometimes in the in the insurance space, there's investing uh, that can be done there, and that's uh, financial advice. Okay, but um, when they're selling insurance products, it's not always in the client's best interest. Yes, it doesn't have to be. I've there's different gone rule, down that rabbit hole rules, before. and not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. Again, mm-hmm. but. I guess my perspective is insurance and investing are two separate tools. Right. Okay? Um, there are unique circumstances where we can utilize in insurance as an investment tool. But, um, but yeah, looking at somebody, a registered investment advisor who has a fiduciary duty to always put their client's interests ahead of their own. Okay. So that's something to look at. And also, like you'd mentioned too, have interview uh, different people, have conversation with different people. And for one, uh, make sure there's a connection there, but also, I think it's important that somebody's showing you the value first, right? Mm-hmm. And helping you understand the value that they could add or bring to your financial life. If they can't um, uh, project the value or show you the value that they're going to add, you probably shouldn't hire them. Right. You know? So right. I think, again, somebody that's going to add value, uh, give you value first, and somebody that's a fiduciary that's working in your best interest. Great. Well, this is such great information. Thank you so much for your time. If you're listening and want to connect with Scott or anyone at Legacy, please check out the show notes and I will include a link to their website and also a link to that little tool on your website that you said, you know, if you're, you know, spending X amount yep. a day, you know, over time, how much is that? Because I, I think those things can be highly motivating for oh, people. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time, Scott. And I, I hope to be working with you soon yeah. in the future. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Emily Wonkong.